Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Um, we don't have much of an identity on offense, which we need to find. And, uh, and if you're looking to point fingers at anybody, point them at me. All right, so I'm to blame. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, and I'm live with the one and only Alex Nicholas here for another episode of the Brush Podcast. Minor Rush, what's going on, man? What's going on? Hey, first of all, shout out to my boy Chris Wheeler. Just had, just delivered. Well, he didn't deliver, but he I just he, he helped deliver my my baby niece. So what's up, Wheels? I know you're busy. You might catch this later, but so it's a good day. It's a good day. But I, I can't hear myself through these headphones. I don't know if that's if, if y'all is Eminem. I, I can't hear. I, I can't hear that snare in my head. <laughs> But I did, I did hear the vlog talk lady, but just in case anybody, if anybody can't hear us or they're like, what the hell, tweet at us something just to just to let us know. But, man, like we talked about when, when we walked in the crib here, it was a rough football weekend for both me and you, man. And, no doubt about uh, it. You know, it's, it's – I guess as a UTEP fan, you're used to it, but at the end of the day, I feel it could have been avoided. Um, you know, but – it is what it is, man. Uh, we're sitting two and three. Uh, actually, before we even get into football talk, we actually have a pretty loaded show for you guys today. Uh, we got a lot of football to talk about. Obviously, Conference USA play, about to get in the swing of things. Uh, but UTEP basketball also opened up practice yesterday. I was able to get out there and grab a couple interviews. We'll hear from Coach Floyd. Uh, we'll hear from Dominic Artis. We can hear from Urban Morris as well. A lot of good stuff for you guys today. Good, uh, good info that we've gotten from uh, some people, some sources that I want to share because Media's uh, kind of been, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but media's sort of been banned from basketball practice. And I can kind of get that, you know, the young, with the younger team trying to, you know, have it, trying to build something there. Yeah. This is, this, this is going to be a whole different new team, and we'll get into that. Um, but let's kick it right off with some football talk. Uh, one of the most ugliest offensive performances I've seen in the 2000 era of UTEP yeah. football. Well, and- especially <laughs> when you think about, the, the, you know, what Mike Price had here, even though we didn't win all, you know, too many games. Um, it was always competitive and, and it was, you know, a lot of points scored and whatnot. So, you know, but I do like what Cooler said, man, and taking the blame. And of course, yeah. you, you expect him to, you expect him to, but a lot of coaches won't do that. A lot of coaches won't come out and tell you that. Um, so I like how he's, how he's stepping up to the plate, being a man and, and, and taking, taking responsibility for his team's loss. And, you know, I don't even know where to go anymore, man. Like, I, I want to believe in Kugler. I feel like I'm kind of off the Kugler bandwagon in the sense that, you know, what he's doing right now is not working. I like, I like what he's done. I like what he's building and bringing in these high-character guys, guys that want to buy into the program, that want to be here at UTIP, that want to play for him. I love that. But that's all fine and dandy, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't produce the W's. And and so what he's done with his offensive game planning, I that is what I cannot buy into. And and it and it gets frustrating when you see it over and over and over and over again. We've used the analogy before of trying to trying to shove that that circle into the square peg hole or whatever you want to go, however you want to say it. You know, <clears throat> just trying to shove it in there, and it's not working. It's not working, and you keep on doing the same thing. This weekend was a little different. 
even though they did have, you know, many struggles on offense, they did open it up to an extent. I mean, it wasn't a lot of, you know, stretching the field vertically, but there was much more passing than we've seen in weeks past. They almost completely abandoned the run for, for a portion of the game. Pretty much did. <laughs> yeah, they, and that's kind of odd in, in the sense that you see a game that's, pretty much being drenched in rain, you know, it's a rainy night and and you're going away from the run, you know, turning it into a passing game. Ryan Metz was off, man. It was just an off night for him. I I don't, I don't know what to say about this team anymore. Like it's just tough because I feel like there's, you know, one thing happens and it's the play calling and the play calling changes a bit, but now it's, it's the actual playmaking. And I, that was a game that the Miners could have won, man. I mean, you know, all credit to UTSA. They came out. What I'll, what I'll give UTSA much credit for is their speed. They really surprised me with their speed on defense and on offense, but mostly on defense that, that those linebackers, man, there were times where, where, you know, you had a play coming out, rolling out to one side, and those linebackers closed that alley, that gap in a hurry. I will give them credit for that. But, again, this was a game that, you know, even though it turned out to be 25-6, to six, it wasn't until those two pick sixes that this really got out of hand. Know, it, at halftime, it's 3-0. I mean, this was a game that, that was there for the taking, and we just we couldn't get it done. And I just don't know what to make of this anymore. You know, I, and you hit it right up. You hit it right on the head when you're talking about, you know, Cougar being responsible. That was a big deal to me, you know, because he, I mean, he could have really, I, I, and, 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 you know, we've no, we don't know, I've said this before, we don't know Sean Cougar, but we've covered him now for two and a half seasons, and, and you feel like, He's just a guy that's not going to throw a player under the bus. Yep. You know that. Yep. And him identifying issues is is really key. And really, he's – I don't want to say he's in over his head, but he's learning a lot on the fly. Yeah. Why, number one, you're missing about eight to ten starters. You know, whether it was injury, whether it was MJ McFarland not coming, whether it was the David Ham situation. I mean, this hasn't – this isn't something that – just happened once Aaron Jones went down. This has been pretty much since the beginning of June when rumbling started coming about that MJ McFarland wasn't coming around. That's where that that those expectations probably maybe should have flipped a little bit because he's not dealing with a full deck. He said that. Let me, and, and let me pose this question to you. And I hear what you're saying, but let me pose this question to you. And this is something that was said when Coach Kugler was first hired. Is he ready to be a head coach? Was he ready to be a head coach? He was talking about a guy that was always an assistant and not a, not a coordinator, yep, yep. never a coordinator, but, you know, a specific uh, line coach or or specific uh, – what is it, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a unit coach. I don't know what the word is. I can't think and, of and, 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 and I And I agree that he isn't. He wasn't. You know, and that's not taken away from the good football mind that he is and, and, and the solid football that he's trying to bring and, and some of the positive coaching things that, that we've seen – Last year, 2013 was a wash. Kind of, I kind of just throw that year out of the way, out the wayside. But I really think that he wasn't. And, and like I said, that's not taking away nothing from him. But he hasn't had that experience, and we're seeing that shown. And when I mentioned the injuries in the 10 or 12, that's not an excuse. Yeah. It really isn't. And it is an excuse in the sense that for two things, it's not an excuse. One, you have to know your personnel. He knows that he don't have Aaron Jones. He knows that he doesn't have a guy like David Ham anymore. You know. It, it, it's a tilt. He has a tilted hand. He doesn't have Terry Junell, who's supposed to be a part of this yeah. offense. Elliot Oldham is, is is a bust so far as far as the JUCO guy coming in and making making an impact. He, he's he's a red shirt. And on and on the second thing, recruiting. I mean, we've 
we've sat here, we wrote together a, a piece about how UTEP recruiting isn't that bad. And it really isn't. No, it's not but at, at the same time, this is a, these, the way that he's been recruiting, it's always an impact guy. Maybe you get your Jimmy Musgraves. Maybe you get um, your Sky Logans. Maybe you get these two or three guys a season. But at the end of the day, you're hoping to hit on 10 to 12 guys after two to three years of development. Yeah. So when you're depleted like them and you're not recruiting well in a sense where you can just have guys, a lot of our guys, a lot of the defensive backs that we're missing, a lot of the receivers, a lot of the running, not even running backs, we don't have any running backs that are redshirting, but most of these guys that would that you look on paper and you think, oh, that could be a depth guy. Well, their development, his recruiting style isn't, we're not where we're at, where we can afford to take three or four injuries and just replace them because this recruiting just hasn't been that on point as far as hitting your four or five guys that just can make an impact. And I think that's I know, kind of a big issue as well. I don't know that we've ever had that here at UTEP or that we ever had, we'll have that yeah, here at UTEP. I think you're going to have five schools. Exactly. You know, it's very tough to just, you know, bring in a whole unit of, of players, a whole group of players at once that are going to kind of thrive together and become this, this this great group of recruits. I mean, you, you like you said, you pick and choose, you get one impact player here and there. But either way, I mean, where where where's where are the issues right now? In my opinion, I think it's it's on offense, right? I mean that's because even when you when you watch that first half, the defense played very inspired football. The defense w- was was flying to the ball, making tackles, and you didn't really. I mean, I understand there was also rain. It was a wild first half, rain delay and whatnot, but they didn't give up many big plays, and, and it they seemed to play well, and they've seemed to play well when the offense has played well. Um. And it goes I, back to last year. And that, and that goes back to last year. That's kind of the way it was. They fed off of the offense. When the offense was, was doing well, moving the ball a little bit, they kind of got their energy. And that's, that's and natural. Versa with the defense. And that's natural. When, when, you, when, you're, when your offense is struggling and you're putting them back out there on the field, you're putting your defense out there on the field after a three and out, three or four times in a row, your defense is going to start to get, to get gassed. They're going to start to get, you know, give up big plays. But, again, it just where, – where are the issues? And the issues are on the offense. But you look at the offense – and there's playmakers on the outside. There's, there's, there, you've got even, even with Janelle Oldham, all these guys that are out. But you still have a guy like Autry Golden. You still have Batson. You still have even, you know, Hayden Plinka, Plinka that's come out and had a rough a, game last yeah, year. But we yeah, yeah, last but, week, but, know what he can do. Exactly. You, you've got guys that can make plays. You know, I understand the run game isn't there without Aaron Jones, but you've got what we kind of talked about as being, you know, such a great offensive line coming into the season. I mean. And now you've got a guy like Metz that seems like he can make plays. I, I just, it just like, where, what's wrong with this team? It's so dysfunctional. And the only thing I can point to is coaching. Exactly. And we're going to get into that. Let me talk about this as you mentioned it, because we're going to get heavy into offense right now. But defensively, yes, I thought our front four really, really exposed that right side of the UTSA offensive line with just speed rush. Talking to Nick Usher after the game, they couldn't handle some of the stunts that we're doing. And that was, that UTSA's biggest question coming into the season was the defense, was their offensive line. They, kind of have a couple of guys healthy where they were shuffling a lot. Notice they were kind of rotating a lot in their offensive line. And our guys were eating that up. And, and Jimmy Musgrave and Alvin Jones, Jesus Christ, those boys came out and yep. played. I mean, that is what we needed. And not, and not to mention something that, that may be going unnoticed. I was tweeting about it. But Kalon Beverly was matched up against uh, Morgan. Well. And she, I mean, Morgan's a beast, bro. I mean, that kid, it, 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 he's the only knock on him for his NFL may be his speed. But a team is going to be stupid not to give him an opportunity. And Kalon Beverly, 
grew up. I mean, that boy grew a pair of nuts and said, you know what? I know you're, I know you're stronger than me. I know you're bigger than me. You're more experienced, but I'm going to outball you. And I thought he got the best of them. Morgan had, what, two, three catches maybe? No, no, he did. But, but he did a great job. So defensively, it was good to see that 2014 formula where our front six is just getting after it. And our secondary is just falling into what the, what the front six is giving them. And that's what a, St- a Scott Stoker defense is. We learned that last year. And that was huge. Now you got to repeat that. Now that's the next thing. It's great to see that. We saw portions of that in, in the later going against Incarnate Ward and, and New Mexico State. So to pull it together for what I think was a, was a full fourth quarter, fourth quarter of football because the offense didn't help them. And, and now going back to the bigger issue with the offense, it's predictability. Yeah. It, it's just predictability where we're, I mean, I, I'm even down on the field the last two minutes in garbage time. We're still running five yard outs with Hayden Clean. And I'm, I mean, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that in the first, but I mean, we are just not doing anything to throw the defense off. And the biggest, and, and I'm not going to tell you this, I'm going to prove this to you guys. Yeah, and it's something that, it, it, this it, isn't new to us either. I mean, we've it, been talking about this since day one with Sean Cougar and his offense. It's just, it, it, when you see certain formations, you know where the ball's going, and that's something that can't happen. And and the UTSA player that had two interceptions last week, Nate Gaines, baller. Kid's going to be a baller. He's, you talk about speed, this is one of those kids. He spoke with, with the local media yesterday in UTSA, and let me just play it so y'all can hear it, because, I mean, this is just, it, it's, it's mind-boggling if you don't listen to us every week and know what we're talking about. So here's Nate Gaines talking about, uh, basically preparation and how easy it was against you to so what were they doing offensively that helped you guys kind of just shut them down? Everything that we seen was film. Yeah, they didn't really change much. Uh, probably the first eight plays were scripted, so they tried to throw some funky information. Yeah. But, I mean, we got to play call. Everything that we've seen on film, they, they're running. You know, we uh, microwave blocking. Like, we're actually calling out the motions that uh, were coming up. And uh, Mike, you know, calling out uh, the route three that they're running, out route, those gap route by running back. So that's how we're able to make these plays. I mean, you still look, 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 look at that. That's bullshit. Not on the kid. Yeah. And, and not on the kid and not on Neil Nithery, UTSA's uh, defensive coordinator. That's great. Yeah. That's what every offense defensive coordinator should do against UTEP. Go back and look at our podcast. But, goddamn, that backs up what I wrote on Sunday. Where we're talking about middle school route, route trees, where he's talking about out routes in a scat route by a damn running back. That can't happen. I'm sorry. This is college fucking football. This is two and a half years of Patrick Higgins having pretty much the same skill guys. We're talking about Colt Freytag, Batson, White. They've all been here under the Kugler era. That's bullshit to me that, that, you, that it's so simple to watch film and you're going to come out and do the same damn thing. And I think that is the reason why Sean Kugler is taking blame because he's realizing this shit, that it's just getting way too predictable. He's not putting his team in the right position. Now, I applaud him. For doing for 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 being for manning up and saying that, but this is year two and a half. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. Your pass game should be evolved to not a juggernaut where you're averaging ten yards a pass or three hundred fifty yards a game, but suitable where where they don't just have where UTSA all they did was sit in quarters and zone and just tee off and let their athletes make plays, and that's why they look so damn fast. That fired me the hell up when I saw that because it's not. It's not us quarterback arm chairing it or however you want to call it or, or saying that. This is a UTSA player that busted his ass for an entire week 
and studied film, and he went out there and executed, executed his game plan because UTEP was vanilla as a goddamn ice cream I want to eat right now to calm down and cool down. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest, man, because no, that was horrible. You're man. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, what hasn't been said is that it's great that, that Cougar goes and, 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 you know, takes responsibility for, for his team shortcomings, but the reality of it is that it doesn't mean shit until you change something. Exactly. And like you exactly. said, it's been two and a half years. You would think by now you would have changed something. Maybe, maybe this team just got too comfortable with Aaron Jones in the backfield. Way too comfortable. You know, maybe, maybe they just Not said the team, the, the, co- the, coaching, the coaching staff. staff got you know, maybe they just said we can just we can just kind of take a step back and just hand it off to, to twenty nine and see what happens. You know, I don't, I don't know. But the thing is. Something has got to change because until it does, we're going to continue to see defenses study our film, call our plays out as they're going on, and and have things like four interceptions and two of them taken back for touchdowns. I mean, in the in in the whole scheme of things, this was a ball game until we had those two pick sixes, and that is what sealed the deal. So he's telling you right there, I basically made these plays because I already knew what they were going to do. Again. It's all, it's all great to, to sit back and, and take take responsibility, but until something changes, you, you taking responsibility just doesn't doesn't mean enough. And I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what else a coach or a coaching staff has to see. You know, the struggles are one thing, but when you, I'm sure they've seen this. If they haven't seen it, I'm sure they will see it very soon because I know people at UTEP see our stuff, read our stuff, hear our stuff, and that will be on minor rush. It if 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 you haven't seen that as a coach, if you don't know that yet, there's something wrong. There's just there, there's something wrong. A, a, another player, opposing player, is sitting there telling you, "I know what you're running." I, I, it shouldn't be that easy, man. It shouldn't be that easy. Not at this level. Nope, not at this level. And like I said, not two and a half years into, into and and you know a lot of there's some really good posters on, on minor digs that are talking about you know going back to the the, the Nord era with Higgins, Calito. So I just got to put a disclaimer though. We are watching the Houston Astros, and I am an Astro fan. It's I usually be done after the yeah. Night. You might be right. This usually in September, the past four, five years, six years, whatever. I've tuned out baseball in September, but I mean, <laughs> this is crunch. So if you hear me commentating or something, we're watching Houston. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just you, you go back to the Nord era where this was sort of the theme with Patrick Higgins. I was a young kid. But I know that back in those days, our offense was horrible as well. <laughs> because, I mean, we were getting skunked 49 to 0, whatever to 3, whatever to 7, and we get garbage touchdowns. But, I mean, I really, you know, the only thing that changed for me last week from when I'm watching the game, and I wish I would I could have watched it again. I always like to watch it again before I come on here so I can kind of get that full feel. But to me, the only thing that changed is we just threw the ball 48 times. Our schemes were the same. Our routes were the damn same. You know, I, I'm sitting there – when we had the ball on the before the touchdown pass and we have the ball there in the 30 and I'm thinking, you know what, UTSA, they're not, they're not respecting us deep. They're keeping everything front. Why don't we line up Autry Golden in the slot and run that, run a skinny post to the damn E in the end zone and, and expose their cases one-on-one. It didn't happen. There's no creativity. The fourth and 10 were, were uh, Mitch throws the interception. The, one of the, the third interception, but after the fumble, you know, that was the situation. Me sitting in the press box as a fan, I'm a blogger. I've never called a damn play other than NCAA 14, which I'm pretty efficient, <laughs> I think. But at that point, 
it just smelled like a fourth one though. That's division one. <laughs> it just smelled like a fourth down blitz on that fourth down play. Why not screen Andre Golden? You you haven't run a screen all day. You've all you've done is play action and drop back. They're sitting on that there. What is the, the UTSA defensive coordinator does? He brings a fucking blitz from hell. And Mets as a freshman, and like we said, Mets didn't have the greatest game. He had a lot of happy feet. He wasn't comfortable. He 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 tried to throw it out of bounds, try to make something happen. It got intercepted. That was a ball game. Why not? Why is there no creativity two and a half years? That was my biggest question to Cougar on Monday. And Cougar talked about we had to be creative everywhere. Why well, didn't see no creativity? I didn't see no no reverses like I've seen in fall. I, I just saw them basically go out with that same damn vanilla game plan. And there's got to be some type of. I mean, these guys are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to coach football with experience. I just don't get how there's no type of creativity. Now, Cougar did mention about getting the ball more in the Atre Golden's hands, running more running plays that 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 the team, you know, that running backs are. are more successful that so there is going to be some work put in this week yeah but i mean jeez it's, it's just it's frustrating because like you said we have the talent why? it's just not being used properly why do you think why do you think the thought hasn't even been i mean maybe it has been kicked around but why do you think it hasn't even come up about putting Atre golden back in the backfield and, and because Atre was a running yeah. back and and that's that's a huge question and that was something i thought was going to be he, he hasn't been a force in the passing game not not a consistent force, but when, when, when he runs his certain routes. But and, – and that see, that was huge because the first play of the game – I don't know if you were there how early you got there. The first play of the game, he was in the backfield, and he took yeah. his hand off. Yeah, so right. I'm thinking, you know what? There's That's an adjustment. We didn't see it the rest of the game. Yeah. And, and we couldn't crack the edge because UTSA was just sitting in their base and letting their athletes and letting their speed take over. And we couldn't crack the edge. We could not – it wasn't like – it wasn't like the past couple of weeks where teams just crash our gaps and cover. No, the four-two-five defense relies more on speed, and Egawagu was just everywhere. Drew Douglas was just everywhere. The linebackers they were just beating our ass up front because it was so simple. And that's a damn good. That that's something that I thought I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, we see Hatcher Golden. And I'm thinking that first play would be great to get him eight to ten carries. I'm not saying you know make him that workload fifteen to twenty guy, twenty carry guy. 18 to 10, 8 to 10 carries, I guarantee you, Atre Golden can get a 15-yard gain to back that defense up, to give Ryan Metz some space. They got to help Ryan Metz. Yep. And that is a, that's a damn good point where Atre Golden may be that guy to help this offense take some pressure off of Metz. Because I think UTA came in the game and, and figured that it, the, the coaches staff did. They put the game all on Metz. Not in a bad, and that's not a bad way. That's what we wanted. But it was so predictable. It was the same damn game plan. Yeah, and you seen. know, as far as Mets goes, I mean, it was clear from the start that he, he just didn't have it, man. He just didn't have it. And honestly, you can't blame the kid. He's a freshman. Yeah. He's a freshman. He's and what he's, what he's done these last two weeks is is not the rule. It's the exception to the rule. That's not the norm for a freshman. You look back at the New Mexico State game, man. This kid generated a 98-yard game-tying drive with under two minutes to with play. With no timeout. With no timeouts. I mean, not that that means as much in college yeah, football, but that's 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 crazy. And that that was his first game. He just got thrown in there, you know that. So you know, I think we kind of got a little spoiled with him, and I think I think we saw, you know, the true freshman in him. Or not true. I'm not saying true as in he because obviously the redshirt. But I'm saying the freshman in him coming a, out, a suitable FBS exactly coming out, and he's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna make mistakes. 
I want to take. I want to. I want to just kind of go off course here. A little I, bit. I think we. I think we hammered that. Pretty yeah, well I mean, we can, we can we can only say so much about <laughs> about where things are at. The conversation is starting to come up on the threads. It's come up on Minor Rush about Kubler getting fired. About um, and not necessarily. I'm not even saying like people are calling for his head or anything like that. But Question. it's starting to come up about like, oh well, you know, if we if we didn't have Kubler, like. We were just going to get some young guy that was going to just leave and we don't have enough money to pay anybody and just, you know, stuff like that, that kind of conversation. What's your take on this? Did we, I mean, and I'm, this is just complete food for thought. This is just, this is just conversation here, but did we hire the right guy? I I think we did. We hired the right guy for a financial standpoint. I mean, I I really think that UTEP lost a lot of money in the last four or five years of the price era with the dwindling attendance. And so there wasn't that big old budget. That's why you're seeing, the Texas A&M, uh, starting with the Texas A&M and all these money games we've been playing recently. And I think he is because I, I personally believe that he has this thing on track. And I, I just think that he's the right guy to run the program. I don't know if Patrick Higgins is that right guy to run the office. Yeah, I, I, think, think, I think Scott Stoker has done a hell of a job. And, you know, he, he, a lot of people say, well, his best coaching is just yelling at guys, which is true. But I think also he gets the most out of yeah, these guys. Yeah. But I, I, and this goes back to my recruiting comment earlier, where I think two, three. I think UTEP still needs two or three more recruiting classes. And this is not giving him the Mike Price or the Tim Floyd pass. But in football, the way that he's building it, to have his full hand of de- uh, deck of cards, or whatever his full depth chart, he does need two or three seasons. But I don't know if he if he hired the right assistant. The, the hire, as far as from an AD perspective, may have been a knockout in terms of an alumni, uh, a guy with a, with a passion for UTEP, uh, a guy that, that is going to still discipline and that's going to come at a cheap price. I think, I think you're but exactly you're, right. But the assistants were all convenient hires for him where he didn't go out and get that proven offensive guru, that proven guy that ran uh, a tremendous pro-style efficient offense. You know, it was just a very, very – convenient hires at the time so now the bigger question is if we fall fall on our dicks basically (laughs) you know the rest of the season it's not Kugler's head because it's just the third year and you always look at big time college football when you hire a coach whether it's a big name or not the first ones to go are the assistants and I think Kugler may be realizing he may be at that point I I think there I think there is some pressure coming from from Stoltz this is now. This is just a blatant thought. This is no inside information. I think that the hot seat is on Cooler not to win or your asses out, but you need to do something about these coaches. You you got to not not maybe not that exactly, but you got to you got to do something. And like and the the big thing that he said and and what really shocked me because Cooler is I wrote it today and you mentioned how Cooler's so open. He's fifty percent coaches talk. And he'll let you know 80% of what's going on in the program. And his comment of, if, you know, if I don't get this turned around, I'm a professional. I know the consequences. I don't think he was talking about him. I think he's talking about, look, I'm a professional. I know I have my guys that are my good friends. But if they're not cutting it and they're bringing me down and making us look this bad, I got to be a professional and do it. That's how I took it. And I thought that was a big comment. And I wonder if anybody else caught that because, to me, that stood out. Yeah. And like I said, it wasn't, that's my professional ass. No, my professional ass is going to have to fire one of my friends that I hired. Now, it's not going to be easy, but at the end of the day, can't have this type of shitty offense that we've had. And this is not just this year since Aaron Jones come out. Aaron Jones is that great. Nathan Jeffries is that great. Jameel Showers was that good where 
you can get away with that. We don't have that talent to do what he wants right now. Yeah. Now we have talent, but we have to adjust to what we what we're doing. You know what, with. man? Like in the, in, in the long term, first of all, you're not always gonna have an Aaron Jones. You're not always gonna have a Nathan Jeffrey. And we've seen, and especially in this day and age, in in football in general, not just in college, in pro sports too, you're seeing to where they're going towards more of a running back by committee. Mm -hmm. It's no longer one guy getting 25, 30 carries because it's just too much of a toll on that body. Think about your Melvin Gordons, your your Todd Gurley's. You see it all over the place. You see it all over the place, teams rotating in. I mean, of course, you've got your lead back, of course. But there are chosen few. Exactly. But, But the thing is, it's just not viable to think that that you're going to have a guy like Aaron Jones and be able to run him all day long and have him for a 12-game season. It's just not logical to think that way, and that's why he's out right now. And and you're not always going to have these guys, so you're not always going to be able to run that plain Jane Vanilla offense, run it down your throat. I don't care who your offensive line is. When you have an offensive line that weighs 350 and they average 6'8", great. If I can stack eight or nine guys in the box against you, bring your five offensive line at me. I'm still I'm still going to be able to, to shut down your run. So what he's done offensively, I'm talking about schematically, not just play calling or anything, but what they're what they're trying to do as a whole, as a unit, as an offensive unit, to run the ball all day long. The way they're doing it is not something that has been proven to be successful anywhere that I've ever seen. The, you know, when you see these run-first offenses, these Army, Navy, Air Force, these guys, the, the, the academies that like to, to run all day long, what do you see most? It's a triple option because that triple option is what keeps that defense off balance. So, so many variables, exactly, you can't just guard so a turnaround. You don't have that passing game. You might as well have a passing game when you've got so many different places that the ball could go. That defense can't just crash down on, on the dive or on the pitch or whatever. There's so many – you've got, you got to take care of – of your of your of your specific job and and look what they're doing I've never seen it be be successful and what I've seen in three years I don't see it becoming successful here either I Aaron Jones is a great talent next year when he comes back I hope he's you know first team all conference I hope the guy ends up in the NFL someday because he's that good of an athlete but what the system that he's in is not good for him it's not good for this team and I don't see it becoming successful I just I just don't and and like you were talking about a second ago with the with the uh, with the with the assistants, I think that's exactly what's wrong. I think Kugler was the right guy for the hire in the sense of you know he's the son of the program, he's a real disciplined guy, which is a complete 180 from what we were used to under Price. But his his assistants have just failed him, and and Stoker was was a guy that was just kind of thrown in there. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. The original guy that they had brought in, Jeff Choke, Jeff Choke, Jeff Choke. And he went to Florida. And I was excited about Cho. I was, so that, 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 was a, that was probably his best hire. That was kind of tough because you had Cho, and he got lured away. And then and then last minute, it was already summer, and, and, and Stoker was thrown in there. But you know what? I'm not even mad at Stoker. The defense is bad, obviously. Yeah. But honestly, I feel like defense, you can get by with with not having the, the best athletes, I guess you can say. And I'm not saying we don't have good athletes. We do. But, you know, obviously, we don't have a bunch of four- and five-star guys. I think the offense is where you cannot get by, yeah. you know, half-assing, bad, bad play calling, bad game management, and, and not have four or five-star athletes. And so, so for me, it's not, it's not Stoker, but it's definitely, it's definitely on Patrick Higgins. Man. And I'm going to keep hitting on this recruiting deal because, I mean, so it, it's, starting, it, it's starting to take a, a recent toll. Now, three, four years from now, we could be saying, oh, this is 
this is great recruiting. But right now, you're recruiting all these linemen, yeah. which you want to be, you know, the key of your program. I get that. But we need a game. Junell, he went down. Okay, you need another one. You know, you need another running back. Right now, I, I, I'm, let me, let me, off the top of my head, I could probably roll off our running backs. AJ out. Trayvon Hughes, we don't know the situation yeah. with him. Later. Jeremiah LaFossa, Rasmus, Kobe Cheese, Kobe Cheese, baby. So you, you got you got LaFossa, and then after that, you got walk on. TK Powell, Noah Seegers, no knock on those kids at all because they're bust their ass. I've watched both of them and they run hard. But you know, you you would think about you know you want to you want to be this running team, you want to be this power run team. And you, yes, you were dealt a bad hand with David Hand leaving, but where are the running? Where are your skill guys? You know, I get the whole lineman thing, but you're recruiting ten to twenty linemen every year in a, in a twenty-five man class. That leaves you with two to three position guys, position skill guys you can go after and hit on because you need defensive backs in a four-two-five because you need defensive linemen at the same time. So I think we're seeing his recruiting. Ta- is that Paul Bunyan going, Jack? Gattis, that's Gattis. Oh, that's, we got to Houston's got to hit bombs in this game, but either way, like I said, it, it's I think these recruiting strategies that he's have are, are hurting us in these situations where we're dealt with injuries and we're forced to be playing w- with guys that aren't proven. And, and it's really I don't want to call it a mess because of the injuries. It's a mess this season. It is a mess this season. But I think you, you know you get a guy on the defense. I mean, I, we talked about in last podcast how big of a loss of Devin Cockrell is. I mean, Devin Cockrell was like. And pretty much it, you can count up a tackle every time when that when you run with that kid. Jarvion Williams, no disrespect to him, but he wouldn't have gotten the yards he got if Devin Cockrell was back there. That He's like our Michael Iguagu. He's that athletic, hybrid, defensive linebacker guy that's out for us. But, I mean, we, you just – I think we, we it sucks to say this because it seems like it's the UTEP homer way to say it. But you got to have patience. But at the same time, this coaching staff isn't helping out at all. They're not helping out Cougar. And that's – that's really the whole thing that we can harp on that, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's getting to the point here where now, we, you know, as we're moving on to our FIU talk where, you know, this, this game right here, we knew the UTSA game was going to decide it, and it did. It basically decided that you got to win this FIU game if you even want to sniff a bowl. If not, maybe we'll beat North Texas at the end of the year. I, I hate, to, I hate to, to, to be negative Nancy, but – I don't see us going to a bowl game this year. I mean, I, I just – I don't I don't see it happening. I mean, you look at the schedule that we've got left. At FIU this weekend. Things going the right I, I, direction, I, and, and God lets us win. We can I, win. I just don't see it, man. I just, I, but I, I just don't, don't I, see A lot it. of stuff has to you happen. You know, FAU at home, maybe. They're struggling a bit. USM on they the road, us. they roll us, man. They just put up 41 against uh, – 49, I Against North Texas, was it? You know, so the Rice, I mean, Rice is not only have they had our number, and even though they're not having their best year, I just, I still don't, I don't see it. ODU, I mean, they've maybe, maybe been up and down, but that, that's one of those games like FIU where the sky, the stars have to align for us for four quarters. La Tech, nope, no nope. wait. And, and UNT at UNT, maybe. Still, that's yeah, that's awesome. a, that's a, that's a really so, so really, I mean, you got two games that are toss ups. Maybe let's call it three games that are toss ups, and the rest of them I don't see us winning. And and even at that, if you win all those toss ups, you still only finish five and seven. So I'm just I, I don't see the I, I don't see the ball game. And, and I mean for, for this particular weekend, as much as we want to see the pass, they they gotta run the football. 
they and not just run it, but run it efficiently. And I think that's going to be a key. You talk about their two defensive end and, and Perrin and Wakefield. I mean, those two guys are NFL prospects. Leonard, their cornerback, NFL prospects. I mean, this defense is going to give our offense fit. Now, on the same token, their offense isn't a juggernaut. Alex Magoo, he's a very good athlete. They run a lot of that, uh, the, the pistol formation, which we really haven't seen this much. So that's going to be interesting to see how we react a week after really just dominating a, a spread type of team, a, a more of a east and west type of team. So this is going to be a matchup where our defense is going to have to come out and force some turnovers. And we got to establish some sort of run game, because if not, they're going to do the same thing UTSA did. And they're going to sit in a man base or a zone base, whatever they do well as far as coverage, and let their beast up front do it. I mean, this is a team that has over Cougar talking about 30 tackles for losses, nine sacks. I mean, this is kind of the team you don't want to face when you're UTEP, when you're struggling with just having a decent per yard average. That right now, to me, I just want to see UTEP be able to average four and a half, five yards a rush six to seven yards a pass, because that means we're moving the football. I mean, that's as simple as it gets with this style of offense. So where do you go? Kugler talking about getting a guy like Trayvon Hughes going. We haven't, Trayvon didn't get going the first couple of weeks. He sat out the past couple of weeks for whatever reason it is. Can a guy like him change the run game? LaFosta, they ran, Kugler was right, where they struggled with a lot of the one back because they're not used to that. They were so hell-bent on two back with Aaron Jones and LaFosta as your main, LaFosta's as your main blocker. So, I mean, there's just so many question marks in this game and so many things that have to go right to even have a chance, not so much of winning this football game. Because like Kugler like mentioned when we opened this damn thing, there's no identity for us to win on offense or to control the football on offense. Time of possession doesn't mean shit anymore for UTEP because we can't run at a decent clip. Pretty much all of our time of possession is just running in and out personnel. It's not so much moving the chains and grabbing first downs. That's the key. UTEP has to have more first downs. They have to have a 4.5 or higher clip, and we got to force some turnovers. If not, this is going to get ugly. We're going to get shut out. We may not get rolled 50 to nothing because, like I said, I think our defense is going to build off that confidence and hold them into the 30s. But if we're not scoring, this could get ugly in the first three or four possessions. If we go, UTSA had 11 three and outs against us, and UTSA's defense found themselves against us. Now you're going up against the FIU defense that has found themselves against some pretty good teams already and know who they are defensively, and we don't have a goddamn clue who we are offensively. That's an issue to me, and that's it's just going to be a tough weekend for UTEP if if that offense doesn't just be suitable. I'm not saying put up points, but like I mentioned, just those little yard per play averages that need to happen. No doubt about it. I mean, FIU, like you said, is a team that already has developed their identity uh, defensively, and they're a team that ranks 58th in scoring defense in the nation. So they're going to be – they're going to be honest. Uh, they're still a team. They're not as good as they were last year in, in forcing turnovers, but they rank 69th in turnover margins, so they are creating some turnovers, and they're not turning it over as much themselves. But I'm 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 interested to see. In, okay, we talked about the offense. We know that, like Kugler said, there is no identity, so we're kind of – it's a toss-up. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, is, is Mets going to come out and be the freshman, or is he going to come out and make plays? I'm not holding that against him either way, but I'm just saying we really don't know what to expect now. But defensively, is this team going to be able to hold down Alex Magoo? I mean, Magoo's already passed for 65%. You know, he's completing 65%. He's not, he doesn't, it's only 5.7 yards per attempt, so it's not huge, but over still only two, I mean, 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. We're going up against um, two talented uh, tight ends. So, and, and he likes to spread the ball around. Defensively, do you think that, that this is a team that's going to be able to stretch us and beat us deep? Do you think that, that 
I mean, what, what, how are we going to have to game plan? Where are we going to have to thrive defensively to be able to put ourselves in a position to win this game? Negative yardage, just like last week. It's got to be the same thing last week. I mean, a guy like Alex Gardner is a really good running back. He's a real physical running back. So I think we're going we're gonna to have to be physical defensively because their offensive line is athletic. They may not be as big and physical as offensive line we've seen this year, but this is still going to be that pistol downhill type offense. There's going to be a, some misdirection with the quarterback. We got to play behind the line of scrimmage. That's really going to be key, keeping them in third long, because I don't think outside of Janu Smith, which I think is going to be a, a future NFL tight end, maybe a fifth to seventh round pick, this kid is really, really talented. He may be the best guy to stretch the field for him. The other kid, Owens, uh, Thomas Owens, he's another big play guy. has a long of 75, averaging 12 yards per reception. Those are your only two deep threats that you have. So if you're able to play on first and second down, if you're able to take away a four or five yard gain by Alex Gardner and turn that into a second and 13, well, then that's when we know that Scott Stoker, that's when he's cooking, second and long, third and long. That's when the Scott Stoker defense is good. The, where we've struggled is giving up those five, six yards runs on first down. And, and we're basically kind of having to play deep because if we blitz and we made play action or something deep on a second down play, which, hey, Patrick Higgins, offense coordinator, is supposed to do that. <laughs> Anyways, you know, that's what's going to really get us. So it's going to be in these early downs defensively for us, just playing behind the line of scrimmage. Nick Usher did a tremendous job. Boy Robertson was everywhere creating havoc. We mentioned Jimmy, Jimmy Musgrave. Uh, we mentioned Sky Logan. We mentioned Alvin Jones. But Jones is questionable, really questionable. Cooler didn't sound too confident. You know, he's still on the depth chart, which kind of geared, like you said, oh, we're starting to get a hold of how you Cougar run things. That means he's questionable. That means he's a game-time decision. But you got to have all your your cards on deck with a guy like Jones in the lineup, and we got to play behind that line. It's not so much – of course, forcing, forcing turnovers is a secondary must. But first of all, we just cannot let them get in a groove with a running game and, 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 and with the, and pass over the top with that with that tight end. Yeah, hey, I think another thing is though we got to set the edge, man. We can't. We've been we've been burned so many times on the edge. We just give up give up contain and and Alex Magoo is a guy that's already carried 34 times for 134 yards, 39 yards. So I'm sure a lot of that is I haven't I haven't watched a ton he's of probably FIU. faster than that. that say back up that busted that some wild run or agree but you know and i i don't watch fiu a lot but i'm going to yeah, assume that a lot of his carries are probably um scrambles and zone read with maybe some zone read but i think i think uh i think that's another thing that we got to look out for man we cannot let him get outside the pocket break you know break contain and, and start picking up like you said on third down we got to be able to get off the field we can't allow him to break the pocket break contain and get out there and pick up first downs with his feet um alex gardner is a guy that's only averaging 3.6 yards a clip so the defense should have an opportunity it, it, I, again he's i don't know a physical guy yeah, exactly. he's, he's, he's not he's not but this is, this is a team that that doesn't run the ball extremely well but if we give them the opportunity you know they will take advantage so i just I flipped off Billy Crystal. This guy's, this guy's flipping off the TV. You didn't flip off Billy Crystal. You flipped off the TV, bro. <laughs> you got El Tube bases loaded. Come on, Joe. Look, Come man, through, I, just, Joe. Again, I just think we got we to keep contained. We can't let these guys get outside because once we get outside, we've seen some bad things happen. But um, all right, we'll make it a quick one on, on FIU. Give me a prediction. Give me a breakdown. What's going to happen? 9 nothing FIU. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, man. I mean, it's just—it's it, going to be difficult with their defense. It's going to be difficult unless we find a way. Like Cougar said, we got to find a way to get first downs. It's not so much, you know, putting up 40 points or putting up 500 total yards. Just moving the 
damn chains and putting ourselves in position in the red zone, it's really going to be key. That's really going to be – it's going to be difficult for UTEP. I mean, I'm just seeing this game being a, a, another – if, if the defense shows up, this should be a really good slugfest, low-scoring game where it's going to come down to turnovers just like last week, a game where and, – and this is the theme that Cougar mentioned last week. We're going to have to scrap. You're going to have to get a fumble six. You're going to have to get a punt return touchdown. You're going to have to get a pick six. You're going to have to bust a long pass play. These are the things UTEP has to do to win. It's not – like I said, offensively, it is about, uh, you know, getting first downs, moving the chains. Defensively, it is about playing behind the backfield. But at the end of the day, to win the way UTEP needs to do in this wounded warrior mentality where our kids are fighting their ass off, our kids are fighting out there, yeah, man. You, those little things, these pick sixes, these, you know, jumping on a, a loose ball, these little opportunities to get points, to get field position, that has to happen. If they do that, I like UTEP's chances for fighting. I just don't know if we can beat this team on our best offensive day of the season either. I mean, because I think I on our best offensive it. day we could. You know, we put up 50 on NMSU, and that might not be a – the defense is obviously much better than that. Way but, better, but, but, but I, I, you know, if, if Metz is out there making plays and he's on – I definitely think that, that this is a team that we can beat. I just don't know that that's going to happen this weekend. I just think this, this defense is going to be able to, to, to hold Mets. Let's say they're going to be able to contain Mets. And, and I, think, I think what we saw on Saturday will continue with him. I think this clean play, you know, of not throwing interceptions and making all these plays is, is not reality. And I'm not saying it's going to be four interceptions and two pick sixes. But I do think we're going to see a few more mistakes here and growing there. Pains. You know, growing pains, exactly. And, and I think, you know, FIU is a team that's going to be able to take advantage of that. I think in the end we're going to probably end up seeing something like a 27-14 final if FIU met. Yeah, it'll be under the 30s. I don't even think, depending on how the first quarter goes, it could be under the 20s. But yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see. So do we want to go to power rankings or we want to jump into Utah football? What do you want to do? Let's just run down the power rankings real quick, and then we'll do, we'll do some basketball. We'll talk about the top four teams because it seems like there's – some top in the top five, maybe even six, there is some teams starting to separate themselves or show that they're for real. So starting off at the top, uh, only 14 voters skipped the voter this week. Not, not nothing too bad. We still got a, a nice little poll here. 182 votes, 14 first place votes. I believe this is week three in a row that we've had some stability at the top with the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Thrash Rice. We were texting about that game. Yeah. Rice was not even in that game. They, they were in that game during warmups. But once that ball went in the air. Brandon Doty was work. And, yeah. and, and their defense is cool. Rice is a team that can run the football. I, when I was watching in between getting ready to go to the game, they were popping. And that's the biggest question that we had on West Kentucky since, since you know, the opening day was, all right, yeah, we know you can score points, but can you stop people? And they held Rice, who we thought was a good team. Now, maybe Rice isn't as good as we thought they were, but still, they held Rice to 10 points at Rice. Um, that's, to me, that, that, that shows that this team is the best team in the league well-deservedly up at number one, four and one, two and on conference play. Louisiana Tech comes in at number two. I, I'm still on the fence with Louisiana Tech, man. I don't know what to think about them. They handled uh, Louisiana Lafayette at home. I don't know much about Lafayette, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're on a on a down year. Well, they, yeah, they don't have that one. Pool. That Broadway? Was Broadway, was Broadway. Yeah, I don't know if he's there anymore, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've been high on them, but I'm still on the fence. I think their game against UTSA is going to tell us a lot about that because UTSA's defense gained some some uh, gained confidence talking with some of the UTSA guys. Let them, hey, you know, this it's not going to be that easy. They obviously understand that. UTSA's coaching staff understands that. Jeff Driscoll 
and a guy like Kenneth Dixon, I think those are two guys that you can ride, even though a lot of people probably like, what, Driscoll, he sucked at Florida. What, 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 you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can believe that, but I really believe a guy like Kenneth Dixon is going to start taking over and being and that's the guy that's going to carry that, that I mean, you look at the stats. Dixon rushed for only 59 yards in a touchdown. He got, he got, he got ejected. Oh, okay. He got okay, ejected at that, that game. So even I don't, at that, though, 22 carries, 59 yards. Man, you're, you're well under three yards a carry. That's, that's not what we saw from him last year, not what we expected from him coming into this year. Uh, just real quick, yeah, you're right. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette does not have Terrence Broadway anywhere. It's J- Jalen Nixon. Um, and I just wanted to see if, if they – yeah, they're 1-3 and three on the year. They've lost uh, at Kentucky. Well, I think Kentucky's actually like 3-1 yeah. and one or something. Yeah, they're they're competitive. They beat Northwestern State, and they, they got rolled by Akron and Louisiana Tech. So, But, yeah, again, on, on Louisiana Tech, man, we just haven't seen that, that running out of condition that we expected. And I just – I don't even – I don't know. I mean um, – you had the loss against Western Kentucky, a close one, and I guess that shows, you know, that they are up there. Um, Kansas State as well, but I just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to make of the team just yet. But I guess we'll, we'll, we'll find, find out. out. A lot. We'll find out a lot about. I think they roll UTSA, but it won't be surprising if UTSA makes that game close. I mean, that, that's that's how I feel. I feel they'll roll them, but to me, it won't be a surprise. I think this was the, I think this was the win that that UTSA needed. To, to kind of get going. I'm not saying that they're going to come out and, you know, reel off three, four, five, six wins in a row, but, you know, that was that was the game that they needed to get a little confidence back because they opened with a real tough stretch, lost to a lot of good teams, and, and they finally picked up a good win on the road, and, and I think that, that'll, that'll definitely, at the very least, give them the, conf- give them the confidence to make it a close one against Louisiana Tech. Uh, Marshall Thunder Hurt coming in at number three. Again, another one that, that I mean, even though the record is four and one, Coming off a 27-7 win, less than impressive win over Old Dominion. I mean, I just it's not the same team without Rakeem Cato, right? Nope, I I agree, I agree. And and, and we'll transition to number three to number four in Southern Miss, who just rolled North Texas. Talked about Southern Miss all year. We don't really got to go deep in them about how fun they are offensively. This is going to be a test because if, if Southern Miss is putting up points and Marshall is struggling, to me they've struggled to put up points that they have in the past. This could be sort of a changing in the guard. And we talked with Jared last week where Southern Miss maybe have has arrived the next two seasons, but they haven't arrived because of all the transfers they have. So that's definitely paying off for them. That is a huge game on that Friday. Is. And it's gonna it's really gonna dictate the West race and the East race, think, in my opinion. And I think this is also a team we talk we talk so much about teams like you know, the jury still being out and whatnot. Southern Miss started at the very bottom of this league in yeah. the first weeks and they've shown that they are one of the top teams in this league. I mean, North Texas obviously sitting at the bottom of the, of the Conference USA, but still, to win 49-14 against any team in this league is, is a pretty good statement win. I think this is a huge game against Marshall on the road. If they can win that one, man, oh, I thought that might have been out, but now it's drifting foul. If they can win that one, though, that'll, that'll, that'll be a huge win to thrust them forward, and Western Kentucky will have some, some, some company up there. Middle Tennessee checks in at number five, two and three, coming off a loss, <laughs> tough loss to Vanderbilt. I guess Vanderbilt is better than we thought. Yeah. Remember, we saw them against Western Kentucky. And, and I, think Middle, of, I think Middle Tennessee had beat them like three seasons in a row, too. I think they had a little streak against them, if I'm not mistaken. But not anymore. Not anymore, but, I mean, that's still a team that is going to be dangerous. And I think their game this week, that's a big rivalry game, obviously, as we've learned with, the, with these two teams being Conference USA mates. That's another barometer game, especially in the East. That's going to dictate that race because you're going to have a team like Middle Tennessee is going to be 1-1 one and 2-4 one and and overall. All of a sudden – 
you know, they may be not reeling because they have talent, but they're reeling as far as the way that their season's going. So I expect a very, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Rick Stockstill, what he does over there in Middle Tennessee, really good program. I expect them kid, their kids to be excited to play this game at Western Kentucky. It's a morning game. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be a game I'm going to have on the little TV right next to the UTEP game. So running down kind of 6 to 13 real quick, Rice comes in at, at number 6 with 111 votes. They will go to Boca to play FAU. FIU, of course, has UTEP. They come in at number 7 with 92 points. UTSA moved up from number 10 spot to the 8 spot, 76 points with their 1-4 record. Old Dominion number 9 at the 2-3, and three, 67 points, kind of a – Interesting scenario when we get to 9 and 10 with FAU and UTEP tied at 10, and then Charlotte and, and uh, North Texas. So real quick, from all the teams from 6 to 13, just give me something that you've seen of one of these teams that – something out of any any one of these teams. Mm, I think – it's hard to say, man. There's not a lot to talk about. But the one thing I will talk about, though, is UTEP. That, that's, yeah, no, but, but no, but the one thing I was thinking about as you were reading them down is that I don't even know that UTEP belongs in 10th. I had them in 11th. You know, because of the injuries. And, and it's not because they're, they're bad, but they're bad because of the injuries. Coming off of this, this performance that we saw, the worst performance that we've seen under Sean Cougar, I would, I would say. I mean, in year one, there were some bad, some bad games, but I think that was a little different. Um, I just – I don't even know where to rank UTEP in this, in this anymore. I mean, you've got a team like North Texas on four and Charlotte's two and three. I don't know that we're better than them. At this point in time, I do not know if we're better than the worst teams in this league. And, and I saw Charlotte play some good, best, some better football than Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the only thing that we have to go on right now is maybe like what a good quarter and a half against NMSU, and really that's about it. Cause, a, four, cause, a fourth quarter against the word. And fourth, fourth quarter against the, <laughs> against the word. Against the word. So you, against the word. You, you don't have a lot to, to say for this team at this point. And, and this, that's not a knock against the player. It is a knock against the players. I can't say it's not. But I'm not, even, I'm not even mad at the players, man. Like, I think they're put at a disadvantage with all the coaching decisions that have been made. Mishaps. Uh, mishaps. I, I think this, this team, like you talked about, has fought their asses off throughout this season. I, and I, I commend them for that. Um, but again, I just I, when looking at these rankings, I don't know where to put UTEP. I don't. I don't. I agree. I mean, I had to put him at eleven just because we're so decimated and we've just seen just horrible game management. It, it, it's when I rank these teams, I look at a whole angle from coaching to who you play to everything, and, and we, it just hasn't been there. They deserve to be eleven, ten, whatever you want to call it. FAU, one one person could have felt FAU's win was better. Their fight against Miami was better, but I mean, at the end of the day. This coaching has to improve. This game management, when we have leads or have opportunities to get into the game, we didn't even touch upon the the, the decision to go for two with the 18 to 6 oh, game. Man, bro. You know what I mean? Oh, Th- those man. little things just can't happen if, look, if, if we want to do anything. Know, look, just, to, just to talk about that real quick. When I when I saw that, I'm thinking, what are you doing? You know, because what the I'm, I'm, a, I'm a – and not that I'm a coach in any way, but, you know, I've always thought in that situation – where you're going to need a two-point conversion, you always wait till you absolutely need to go for it because that puts you behind the eight ball if you don't And it was early. You don't the, get it. It kind was, of early in like the fourth quarter. Yeah. There was still like 10 minutes left when they scored. And and so it's just it's very tough to, to, to put your team in that spot. You know you're going to need it at some point, but if, it, if you go for it first and you miss, now you need two touchdowns, now you put yourself in an even tougher spot. Um, I was looking it up, though. 
And you know the whole chart that they talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I was trying to find it. If I'm not mistaken, the chart says to go for two in that situation. So if, 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 if Sean Kugler and, and Patrick Higgins, whoever made that call, was looking at the chart that a lot of coaches go by to make that decision, then I can't blame him. Yeah. But if he wasn't, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. <laughs> so 10 o'clock in the morning. That's early as fuck, man. Yep. You know, Saturday, uh, American Sports Network. I think K-Fox is showing that. Actually, K-Fox, yeah. 14.1. So check that out. We'll be tweeting. And uh, hopefully hopefully it doesn't sour my Saturday. Cause hopefully not. Man. I, hope that I might have some big plans. But, you know why the worst part is? Is that it's so early in the day. Like, it ruins the yeah, entire yeah. day. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why. I mean, a 6 o'clock game, at least you can pop a few beers and crash comes. But a 10 o'clock game, it's a lot of beer. All right, all right. Enough football talk. I know that, that we've probably gone even more than we wanted to talk about. But yeah, we went all hour. <laughs> we were trying to go like 30, 45 minutes. Let's so talk a little bit about some UTEP basketball. You were out there at the first practice. You got to see a little bit about what these guys have and what they're bringing to the table this year. What did you, you see? I saw I saw a lot of speed and athleticism, and there. This is just running through layup lines. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really get to see much. You know, I, like I mentioned at the beginning, the the coaches coach's uh, practice this year. You know, I can't blame them. You know, this is a new team. You know, I think the coaching staff felt like we knew what we were getting last year with so many veterans, and over the past couple of years. So, you know, from a little bit, I saw I saw some speed, athleticism. Let me tell you just something that always stands out for me. Uh, from a guy that, that I've, you know, been in locker rooms, played at some high-level baseball, I, and I saw leadership. I saw Hooper Vint clapping in, in a layup line, telling guys to hustle. I saw dominant artists clapping to keep the intensity up. Those two guys, your fifth-year senior and your point guard, to have that, that's, that's big. Yeah. And, and your opening moments of practice, I'm talking about Floyd just rolled up the ball for them to go, and you're seeing Hooper Vint sprint to a spot and clap, and you're seeing dominant artists getting everybody ready, and you're seeing hustle. Not saying we didn't see that superior hustle last year, but, you know, you, you can tell that this team is hungry. Julian Washburn really didn't have to hustle. You know, Cedric Lang didn't have to hustle. Not saying that they didn't, no. but, I, but I, I feel the hunger on this team. I, I feel the little intangibles. And I, so I was talking with somebody, and he's probably listening to this, so shout out to my source, but he gave me a couple of insight from the, the practices he'd been watching. And we were all wrong about Terry Wynn. Terry Wynn is going to be a three. He's going to be a stretch four, but this is a guy that's improved his mid-range shot. So this is a, a different type of guy. And talking with with with, uh, with Floyd, and you'll hear my question that I asked him about him, it's kind of interesting to see where he fits in. Lee Moore is going to have the most unorthodox shot you'll ever see. Yeah, I noticed that. But he can shoot, and, and, and he's going to be a big part of it. And guys like Paul Thomas are a little bit behind the eight ball from what I'm hearing. Those are the three big things that somebody was telling me Ooh, about Rodgers. the team. Rodericks, he's, he's an athlete, but he's just not that strong, but he's an athlete. But it was kind of alarming to see a guy like Paul Thomas a little behind the guy I've been high on. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to get their opportunities and they can't get better. That's just what I've been told from the beginning. So, you know, there, there's a lot of work to be done, lots of work to be done. As good as the guard play is, there's construction there because you have to find that rotation of who plays well off the well, who plays off the well, who understands to go to a certain spot when artists drives the lane or vice versa off a handoff or off a screen. And there's so much to be going as far as the guards, but the biggest issue, and Floyd touched on it, rebounding the basketball. Yeah. Who's going to do that? 
and that's really kind of the biggest question everybody has around this team that's been able to watch these type of practices. Well, you know, and, and we small practices and leading to the official. We've part. seen Hooper Vent. We know that the guy's Hooper, not the most you Hooper, know, physical. Hooper. Um, Matt Wilms, not only is he dealing with the foot injury, which is another thing I wanted to kind of to touch, yeah, on, touch on that, um, but he's never been a great rebounding big Matt Williams, you know, even at seven feet, seven, one, whatever it is, he's never been a 10, 12 rebound guy. He's a four or five rebound guy. And that's something that, that, that has got to change. Um, and and, and talking it's, about, it's not going to change That's that. See, that's the, and the reason why I say that is because the limited minutes that I was yeah. put, and that, that is, I mean, yeah, you're right. Let's jump in. Let's jump into it. I don't let's, mean let's to. Let's listen to coaches to coaches' comments first. Um, but I definitely want to touch on a couple of things here with the team. We gonna go the whole six. We'll just we'll just, just wing it. it. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just, Are you excited as the players? Well, yeah, yeah. I think everybody is. You know, it's uh, it's always a long off season. Uh, we're we're all eager. Uh, we know we got a lot of questions, but uh, we're gonna try to get some questions answered. Speed, it seemed to be the, the focus of everybody early. That's from the players. It seems like this team is faster than last year. Well, yeah, you know, and that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, and uh, we're hopeful that our guards are, are going to be good players. Uh, all college teams have to have them. And so this team, given what we lost a year ago, to really be a uh, a very competitive team, we're going to have to have exceptional guard play from some of our newcomers. Guards in terms of Trey Touchet, Jake Flagger, guys that have been here and now are going to play. Have you seen the, the develop those outside shots that you hope? Yeah, you know, I, I think that both those guys are so excited after laying out last year. So that uh, part, you know, we've also got Lee Moore who didn't play last year, uh, Dominic Artis who did not play last year. Uh, these guys are going to be new to competition, and uh, I think they're all really good players. So this might be our strongest group of perimeter players that we've had since we've been here. Matt Wilms, is he going to give it a go? Well, Matt is is uh, is going to to, to work cautiously uh, this season. Uh, we're going to look at him playing limited practice minutes. We're going to look at him having limited minutes in games. Uh, any flare-ups, it will be an immediate surgery. Uh, so he may practice once a week, and it would be uh, very, very limited in terms of what he would do. Uh, we're not a very deep team. He uh, couldn't stomach the thought of, of uh, not being able to play at all, and he's going to ultimately have to have a surgery on his foot, and uh, that will more than likely occur, at least hopefully occur, after the season or not. That that question there about Matt Williams is one thing that that has been on my mind because I hear them talking about oh well they're going to play obviously and um, if anything happens well he's out but I don't understand why you put why you I mean I guess I, I, I we're not in the locker room we don't know what's going on yeah. out there I'm sure Matt Williams is is like wanting to play yeah. you know but it, it just to me it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense you're asking for another injury it doesn't make sense because to me it just probably going to sound odd maybe you know maybe this makes sense but you have guards where you know you yeah you're going to lose out on having a guy that can alter shots can grab you you know two three rebounds per his minute session or his minute whatever his, his minute segment but I think that this this team with the guards can kind of overcome that because we can score we're going to be a lot faster we're going to press more I think I think we're really going to see this team press more with the especially with the shot clock 
with the lower shot clock, with the speed that we have, kind of turn into kind of a lot tech, you know, what they've done where, you know, you shorten it up and then boom, you get back across the line. Now they have six seconds to get in the, in, in the shot clock and they just wasted maybe five or six on the press just to get it across the timeline. So I think the fact that we have enough guards and enough speed where that can, in my opinion, can kind of mask that if we execute that speed game and that running gun game that I really feel that we're going to turn into because that's what we have. We don't have what I call them plotters. I, you know, Julian Washburn, as athletic as he is, he's a plotter um, when he runs. C.J. Cooper, he's a decent athlete. He's a plotter. Sed Lang, of course, you know, 10, 300-pound guy, he's going to be a plotter. <clears throat> now you have three-footed athletes that can run, jump, and shoot the basketball. You got to go to this different style. So I think, in my opinion, you don't really need him. And, and it's I don't want to see the kid get hurt because he's a damn good kid off the floor. You know, he's as humble as they come. And I really feel that he can play overseas and make a lot of money. But if he hurts himself to the point where he can't play no more, well, you know, that's that's not good. But on the flip side, you do have a guy that's taking classes at UTEP, that I, Kelvin Jones, that, you know, maybe the coaching staff is thinking, you know what, if Wilms doesn't, if Wilms does, you know, for God's sake, you know, like I said, I don't think the coaching staff is just, you know, harping on it, but we have somebody for next year at least. But at the same time, it's not even worth the risk, like you're saying, bro. It, I don't, I, I don't agree with it. I, I really don't agree with having him out there, man, because it's a liability. You're gonna have him for four or five minutes. I mean, and we already saw that he struggles with certain things. So if he's worried about getting hurt and that extra mental, I mean, where is this kid gonna be at? I just don't think that we're gonna. I think a 70% Matt Wilms hurts this team more than 100% Matt Wilms next year coming back yeah. with what we have coming back and what we're gaining that's on campus already. It's just my take on it. I think I may be completely off base right here, but I, I really, really feel like a lot of the things that we have seen have been out of, I don't know if desperation is the right word, but Floyd knows that it's time. Yeah. It's time. It's, it's, Go it's, on. Go there, there's no more time for this team to, to kind of be given the, the free pass of, of mediocrity. I mean, it's time to get this team going. And for me, I'm not saying that that's a, a good reason to, to, to risk a kid's career. And I don't, first, the other thing is I don't think he's risking Matt's career because I think this is all Matt. I think it's Matt that's saying, I want to play. I want to be out there. I want to be out there. I want to be out there. And, and I'm sure Floyd's heard it for months. And, but it's definitely a little different. Like, I think if, if we're coming off a, a 25 win NCAA tournament appearance season and you've got another team and, and let's say Omega Harris is back and, and the seat isn't starting to heat yeah, up, yeah. you know what I mean? I think, I think Matt Wilms is out. But because we are, or this program is where it is, I think that's another reason why Coach Floyd even allows it to happen, I think. I don't like it. I think you're asking for, for bad news. I think you're asking for an injury. But, I mean, I guess we'll just wait and see. Matt, definitely, you know, you wish him the best. Definitely a high-character guy, humble guy. And um, I guess we'll just see how that goes. A couple of guys that I was that I was kind of looking at, Trey Touchette and Jake Flaggart, two guys that didn't play last year, redshirted. Um, Flaggart, we saw him his freshman year, and the kid looked pretty good. Uh, Touchette came in as a Gatorade Player of the Year out of Louisiana. Um, he struggled in practice last year getting his shot yeah, when I watched. That, 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 that was a good reason to redshirt him. It was a good reason to redshirt uh, a good reason to redshirt him. Oh, what a play! Damn, what a play! Um, but yeah, I mean, he, this is the guy that I saw struggle against the likes of Julian Washburn, 
struggle against Urban Morris. You can tell that as good as a player that he's going to be, he just wasn't ready last year for that specific team. But now this is a more guard-oriented team, and he could fit in. He could be that wild card. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that or putting that, but if he continues to grow and he's using the right – you know, in, in the right situations, whether he's a set shooter or whether he has improved his getting his own shot skills, that remains to be seen. Slagger, that kid looked like almost, almost like a physical specimen. Maybe not as cut, but the kid has put in some work, and he looks bigger. He looks stronger. He said, the big thing that he talked about was his handles. That's huge because I think he is going to be one of those guys that's going to handle the ball. He's a guy I think that artist is going to rely on for that outside shot, maybe rely on to get to the free throw line. He could be an X factor in Omega Harris's absence because he's going to be asked to play a lot. Why? He's pretty much the quote unquote most experienced player that we have outside of Urban Morris and Hooper Vint. And like I said, that his arms are getting there. I think in a couple of years, we're going to see Jake Slagger look now, I'm not saying that he's an NBA prospect, yeah. but he may have an athletic body like an NBA prospect. We're like, damn, that's smart of, of, of the reason why Floyd redshirted him. And that's something Floyd talked about, too. My question to you is, will we see the benefit of redshirting and a guy like Touchet win and Flaggart this year? Or do you think that's going to take you know, either I'm, conference play or maybe even going in the next in, year. in basketball, I'm not a big fan of redshirt. Yeah, I mean football is one thing because you know you what? You know, there's some there's some kids that come out of high school, they're just not ready for the division one level. Um and so redshirting is definitely better. But in a sport like basketball where it's not as physical, um, I feel like I'm 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 of the mentality that, you know, they learn better on the fly. They learn better when kind of just thrust into the fire, thrown into the frying pan, you know, just kind of go out there and just do it. Just see what happens. Omega Harris. Omega Harris, you know. I, and, and that's that's my mindset. I'm not a big fan of redshirting guys. Uh, I don't I don't see the benefit. Again, in football, you use a year off to get bigger, to get stronger, to get faster. Learn the system. Learn the system, learn the plays, so on and so forth. Um in basketball, yeah, you can get bigger, you can get stronger, but that's not doesn't help you as much necessarily in basketball, especially as a guard. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain strength that you need to be able to get to the rim, to be able to finish at the rim, to be able to take contact and so on. But it's hard to develop guard yeah, skills it, if yeah, you don't exactly. have exactly. <laughs> but but you know, I just I don't see it. I think I think you you really learn best when you're thrust out there. Um, but either way, I think if they have been, you know, utilizing their time wisely, working on their shots, then I definitely think we should see an improved Touchette and Flagger, even though we really haven't seen much of either of them since they've been here. And, and those are, and it's, you know, we're talking about these guys, and there's so much unknown with them, but those two guys have to be role players. I'm not saying, you know, guys that are going to come off an average 10 points, but if you're going to give Lee Moore a spell, you got to hit a couple of jumpers. No you gotta you gotta be able to stay in front of your man. Maybe grab a rebound. Maybe start a fast break. Maybe get the team into a good offensive position. Those little things that I want to see, not just from Touchet, but Flaggart, because Flaggart, I think we're gonna see him play more up off the wing instead of a three, maybe even a two with Omega Harris out. So I think those two guys just have to fill in those because that's what we've really been missing. We've been missing those guys that 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 spell your big time, got your Julian Washburns and your Coopers, but. They're not going to wow you, but they're going to play sound basketball. And it, people are like, you fucking racist because they're white, right? But, you know, it, it's just it, these guys are those type of role players. They're not guys that are going to come in here and be your studs. You have your studs. You have your artists. You have your Omega Harris's, your Lee Moore's, your Broderick Jones, your Dominic Artists. These guys have to play that small role 
before. They're just executing and maintaining what that front line is doing. And another thing before we end out our basketball talk that I wanted to mention is is the rotation. Coming oh, we're in, not, oh, we're not done with basketball yet. Coming, oh, oh, I know this because this, this could be a while. Coming in, I personally, and like you said, we're not, we, we're not, we're in the program, but we're not in the program. Yeah. We don't know depth charts. We make up our own and we post them up on our website. I had the thought of maybe a ten or eleven man rotation, and we even talked about this. But Floyd is talking about eight to nine, maybe. If somebody steps up, maybe like a guy like 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 a two shed or somebody where you can stretch that. But I think we were. I personally was a little far fetched to think about a ten eleven man rotation. But that eight nine man rotation ain't bad. You know, and and this is something that we've seen every year from Floyd. Every single year we see and we feel like this team is so deep and we can go ten eleven maybe even twelve deep. It's not realistic. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. And it's he not, even it's said not that. the way he runs it. He runs eight guys, maybe nine guys, ten if you're absolutely lucky, and there's just somebody that you can't leave on the bench. That, that, but, that. But, but the thing is, it's eight or nine guys that are going to get the majority of the playing time. Um, but taking a, a sidestep here, going back to what you were talking about, about those role players and whatnot, another one that I wanted to mention, I'm sure everybody's heard of it, heard the news by now, but Josh McSwiggin yeah. is going to be out for a little while. A little while uh, got, his, got his meniscus. Uh, is it right? Yeah, I, I think at first it was supposed to be a scope, and then they found, you know, that it was worse. I, and that's just guessing from putting piecing together clues from what people have told me and what we found out. It was supposed to be a scope. They found a meniscus, had surgery yesterday. But but that's 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 another guy that if he can get healthy, if he's able to come out and play this year, um, I don't know what the plan for him is. I mean, he, it's not a long term thing. No, I think, it's, I, I think it's the, the the first month. For sure, this month of October, and the, I think there's no official timetable, but from the sources that told me, maybe that first, second exhibition game may be squeezed in between those ones. But that could be another guy that could be huge, man. Come in, spell guys, come in for five or ten minutes. And what we really have lacked is spot shooters, man, in the, in the past couple of years. We just haven't had them. I guess the guy, the last guy that we had was uh, um, Connor Tucker. Um we we won't be talking about Connor Tucker until know, we man. find a goddamn shooter. That's the, that's the only guy we've had in the year. True, though, man. And we just, true. That's what we black. We see these teams that have these spot shooters where guards can drive, penetrate, and just and kick it out. Area. And somebody's out there to just bury that three. And we haven't seen that. We're hoping that guys like McSwiggin, or maybe it is Touchet, maybe it is Flagger. You know, maybe these guys can come in and be those guys that can be spot shooters, hit two or three threes, four threes in a game, you know, and those are big buckets. When you're getting that production, even if it's only two or three threes, when you're getting six, nine, 12 points from a guy that's your 10th guy off the bench, that's big-time production. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to those guys. I'm wishing the best for McSwiggin, hoping for a speedy recovery, hoping to see him out there because I really think he could be that player for this team. Last, last, last thing in, in basketball, Dominic Artis, man. You mentioned it at the beginning, talking about his leadership, and, and, and as soon as the the guys are out there for even just layup drills, you know, being the guy that's kind of rooting them on and making sure that they're staying on top of things and being that leader, what else did you see from Dominic? From what I saw yesterday, not that much, but from what I saw when I actually saw him work out, he's a strong motherfucker. I mean, I, I, the first time I saw Dominic, we were doing the summer interviews, and I was on the opposite floor, and he was out there working out. I think we were talking with Thomas or one of the kids, and I'm looking. I didn't get a good look. I'm like, damn, he's skinny. He's not that. You know, he doesn't from the distance. But when I interviewed him that first time, that kid saw. He's putting some work, man, and he, he's going to bring another dimension into this team. Talking with him, 
about what his role is. And I want to do a post about this. I want to do a really detailed, I want to watch, go back and watch film from when he played at Oregon, some of his highlight films. I think his ability to penetrate is going to just, it's going to increase so much production from a standpoint of our bigs crashing off of his drives, cutting off of his drives and the shooters. And I think that is going to be a big, big deal. And not only that, but he talked about defense. And I mentioned us having that Louisiana Tech style press. I think that's going to be a big thing with this team. Fast breaks off of turnovers, getting big time turnovers, and, and making teams think, not just letting teams just relax and get into their offense. And I think Dominic Artis is going to be a spearhead of that. I think that's what we're going to see. You're going to see Dominic Artis be that defensive guy that's going to get up in the point guard shorts and is really going to force them to make decisions. Off an athletic guy like Dominic Artis, who has tremendous footwork on the defensive angle, from just watching him move around, you can just tell that, that him and Floyd's system is going to thrive once they hammer those principles. And I think that's what we're really going to see. You're going to see him not only be a leader on the offensive end, but I think the first thing when they ask him, or when I ask him, what do you want to do defense? So he gets it. He gets the Floyd system. He gets what he has to do. And I think that's where we're going to see him more than having a guy that can stretch you out and, and shoot and break you down and have seven assists and, and, and be a stat stuffer. I think defensively, this is where we're really going to see a guy like Dominic Artis just wreak havoc on slower guards. And not only that, but if, if you know how Floyd, Floyd is a defensive genius talking about these traps with, with a long arm guy like Irvin Morris that showed he can be one of the best pressure guys on a press. Him and, and Morris, we talked about having him and Julian last year. That is going to be fun to watch. So I think Dominic Artis is just going to be a tremendous impact on both ends of the floor. And like we mentioned, that leadership aspect. And I'm just, I'm excited more than us. And I really feel that we can be that team that can take that next step and score 75 to 80 points. I think we're going to be a team that's just going to wreak havoc on your ass and, and force you to turn them. over and, and run the other way and get a layup. We've been the team that, that's defensive minded this whole time, want to play in the 60s. And it, First of all, it's not exciting, but it hasn't translated into the wins that we've wanted. Uh, so far, wins, but not wins that we've wanted. Yeah, exactly. at, at times, you know, it works against the, the lower tier teams, yeah. you know, like against the teams that, that are kind of middle of the road or kind of under 500, like it works. But when, when you're going up against those teams that, that those big games that you need those wins, that style just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, but I'm looking forward to the speed. I'm looking forward to the to, to this new offense, and you know, obviously smaller offense or smaller players. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But just you know, it, it's a smaller lineup it, it, it's a new, overall. It's, something it's a new. new style. We haven't seen it here under Floyd, even though it's still going to be defensive minded first. But you know, faster, hopefully up more up tempo. Um, they're going to press. You know, they have to press. Obviously, like the shot clock's going to going to force it to be more up tempo as it is, but. You know, I'm just I'm looking forward to the season, man. It's, oh, that's gone. Bomba. That's what the Astros needed to come in there and do and hit bombs. I got it on the damn text message while I said, Hell yeah. <laughs> but but and yeah, man, I'm, heard. Looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um with football season going the way it is, basketball season can't be here soon enough. I mean, I'm still gonna be out there supporting football, don't get me wrong, but basketball season cannot get here soon enough. And, and you know what? Every year it's kinda like Christmas around this time. But this year, it is Christmas because we don't know what the hell we're getting. I mean, we know what we have, right? But it's like the past two, three years, you know what you're getting out of Jew. You know what you're getting out of certain guys. You know, we started getting comfortable. Now it's a whole new ballgame. And that that right there, as disappointing as last season was, 
I can feel that a lot of people are turning that page because there were some pissed off people on the rush, rightfully so, not dissing anybody. But there's a new era, new breed. And not only that, but, I mean, these guys are going to be around for a couple years. So it's, it's going it? to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. October 24th, Orange and White scrimmage, 1.30 p.m. at the Don Haskins Center. All right, and Monica, we'll there you have it. Football season coming up on the midway point. Basketball season just around the corner. And that's it, man. And the that's Astros another... are about to that's another... hey, whoa, 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 the Royals. Hey, we're, in the second... we're in the fourth inning, bro. We're in the fourth we inning. We got the Royals, bro. Let's go. We're in the fourth inning. Oh, I got to get by the Yankees Let's first, go. dude. The Yankees are going to come back and the, tie this The beer's game. on the mound. Look, this, yeah. is on, this is on record right here. This is on record. We're, we're here. The podcast is rolling. Yankees will come back to tie this game. I don't know who wins it, but the Yankees will tie the game. Ooh, anyway, y'all know where to find us. MinorRush.com. SDNMinorRush at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter. El Papi Chulo 915 Houston Astro Lover uh, on Instagram for for uh, Alex over here. Selfies all day. Selfies all day. You selfies all day. <laughs> Another episode of The Rush is in the book. We out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.